The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. The Bible says uh, there in verse number 1 of chapter 12, it says, Let us lay aside every weight. There it is. It's a spiritual weight loss program. God says you need to lay aside some weight. Uh, How many know you need to lay aside some weight? Don't raise your hand. I'm not talking about uh, physically speaking this morning. I'm sure all of us would like to make some kind of physical improvements, but I'm talking about spiritually this morning. There's some weight perhaps that needs to be laid aside. If uh, you won't look into the mirror of God's Word, you'll never see what needs to be laid aside. If you don't desire to uh, be motivated uh, to have this uh, weight loss program, spiritually speaking, as a body of Christ, uh, we'll be fat in the areas that we shouldn't be. We'll, uh, we'll have uh, things that weigh us down from running the race as a body of Christ that God would have us to run. And how many know that if you're going to accomplish weight loss in life, uh, it's going to have to, you're going to have to have the proper motivation, you're going to have to have the proper motivation. Some people, uh, just, just saying they want to do it, you know that's not the proper motivation. Some people go and they'll hire some kind of a, a crazy lunatic type person to uh, yell and scream at them and to get them on the treadmill and, and tell them how rotten and filthy they are and how horrible they are and, and tell them to run and run and run and run. And they're like that coach type person that's able to motivate them. If you would, stir them. Some people need a, a softer hand or a softer approach. And people have different needs, But uh, God calls us to some motivations here in Scripture uh, for this spiritual weight loss. And I want to give you, if you're following along in your handout, uh, three motivations this morning that will help us to this spiritual weight loss as the body of Christ. Number one, we're motivated by the saints. We're motivated uh, by the saints. If you see uh, verse number one of Hebrews 12, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, this is referring again back to Hebrews 11, and for sake of time, we won't read it, but I challenge you to go back and read it, because if you read what the saints that uh, have gone before us have done in the Lord, it will motivate you uh, to live your life for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many thankful for the examples that we can find in the Old Testament of people who gave their lives to God, uh, people who modeled, if you would, that walk with God and that faith life and they walk by faith and not by sight and when things were hard and when things were difficult and when trials came those uh, stories in the Old Testament those stories of the heroes of the faith they stir us on if you would to have faith in this generation and by the way that's what God is saying here that's supposed to do in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 4 the Bible says for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope Uh, God gave us uh, what was written aforetime if you would. He gave us these Old Testament stories so that we can learn how to live our life and how not to live our lives, if you would. We've got good examples. We've got bad examples. But God's trying to give us some motivation in this Christian life. He's trying to say, hey, there's been people that have gone before you that have successfully lived the Christian life. There's people that have gone before you that have walked by faith and that have finished their course with joy and that have accomplished what God wanted them to accomplish. I didn't say any of those people were perfect. As we think of Noah and how 
how he spent uh, over a hundred years building what God called him to build, he accomplished that work, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, by faith. Uh, as we think of Abraham and what God did in him and to bring about the nation of Israel, who we, see, we still see today is under attack. And by the way, we stand behind Israel today uh, as Christians and we bless them because we want God to bless us and they are God's people and they're God's children. And, and uh, we understand what God's going to do in the future with them. But we see what God did in the life of Abraham is God required Abraham to lay aside the weight, if you would, of his son Isaac. You say, well, how could that be a weight? How could that be possibly something? Because apparently uh, when when uh, God called Abraham to go up onto that mountain to sacrifice his son, he knew there was something in Abraham's heart that he wanted. And he didn't want Isaac, he wanted Abraham. He wanted Abraham's heart. And, and God called him to lay aside, if you would, a weight or something he had put between him and the Lord. And, and God did a great work of faith in his life because of that. And we know the story that comes after that. But as you read Hebrews chapter 11, you can see that God wants to motivate us uh, to this kind of uh, Christian living this kind of faith living as, as a church, as a body of Christ today, can I say that we need to be motivated to live by faith? It's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy. You're not just going to go out and, and kind of uh, live your life as you lived it before you came to Christ and, and, and find yourself living a life by faith. Because how many of us, is when we read the Word of God and we see what it compels us to and we see what it calls us to, are challenged by our daily life? are challenged by our circumstances, are challenged by the things that happen to us, or are challenged by the trials that enter into our lives. And, and God says, hey, listen, these people that went before you, they weren't perfect. They had sins and flaws, and they had trials and tribulations, and they had difficulty, but he wants to motivate us by their testimony. And he even tells us here that we're compassed about or compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're onlooking. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're around us in a sense of watching our lives, but it says that their lives are uh, compasses, if you would, that point us to the Lord Jesus Christ, that, that their lives are witnesses that faith works, that their lives are witnesses that a life of faith is a great life, is a blessed life, is a life that God can use to have eternal value. And we hear these heroes of the faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Can I say uh, in this motivation that letter A, they give us endurance. They give us endurance. How many know if you're going to run a race, you need to have endurance? You need to have endurance. And God calls us to endurance in this Christian life. I need endurance this morning. How about you? I need to uh, hear the, uh, the call from Scripture not to be weary in well-doing. That if I'll wait on the Lord, He'll renew my strength. That I'll mount up with wings as eagles. I can run and not be weary. I can walk and not faint. Because sometimes life tells us that we can and that we should quit and that we should give up. And that the good life's not paying off. That the Christian life is not paying off the way that we thought it would. That instead of uh, doing what we know we should, we should just give up, that we should just quit. And can I say to you this morning that God is trying to motivate us uh, through the heroes of the faith and say, don't quit this morning. Have endurance and continue to run with patience the race that's set before you. We know this race is an, a competitive race between uh, us and each other. Uh, as we look at each other, we understand we're not competing with one another. That we are running the race that is set before us. But you know what I believe as a body of Christ, that God has a race that 
is for our church, that God has a purpose that is for our church, and that God wants us to fulfill that purpose. Now, how does that happen? It doesn't happen if, if uh, we just have one or two people or three or four people or a half a dozen people uh, or, or even half or 50%. You say, how many people do you think in the body of Christ should be running this race? I think we all should be running the race. I think we all should be a part of what God has called us to do. I think there's no exceptions to the rule when it comes to the Christian life as sometimes we have accepted a low level of Christianity that God never intended us to accept in our lives. He's calling us all to endurance. He's calling us all, and we understand that life is not a sprint. It's a marathon, and we're going to have to pace ourselves, and we're going to have to run with patience, but we need endurance, and that's literally what that word patience means. It means endurance means endurance. And uh, they give us endurance. The second thing they give us is encouragement. They give us encouragement. How many of you are encouraged uh, because you see someone else in a Christian life succeed by living by faith? You see success in their life. You see the result of a life of faith. And I don't know about you, but I don't want any of the circumstances of some of these that have gone before in faith. I wouldn't want the circumstances of Abraham this morning. I wouldn't want the circumstances of Moses this morning. I wouldn't want the circumstances of these that we're reading, say, their life in a sense. We always, when we look at these heroes, we want the reward, but we don't want the sacrifice it took to gain that reward. And you see, sometimes that's how it is uh, in, uh, when, we, when we look at each other. When we look at, uh, around the room, we say, well, uh, I see some of, the, some of those that are benefiting from living a life by faith, and I'd love to have the reward, but I really don't want to do what it takes to get there. You know, sometimes with weight loss, it's like that, isn't it? We look at people who are, if you would, where we would like to be physically, and we say, I'd really like to look that way. I'd really like to feel that way. They look happy. They look like they've got energy, and they look like they're fit, if you would, and they can accomplish some things that perhaps uh, this weight is hindering me uh, from accomplishing. I'd love to be where they're at, but we don't see the sacrifice it took for them to get there. We don't see the physical, if you would, labor. We don't see the sacrifices of, of not, if you would, giving in to the flesh. How many know if you give in to your flesh when it comes to eating, you're not going to have the result that you'd like to have down the road? And, and uh, all of us understand that, yes, we're different people and metabolisms are different and, and people have different walks and spiritually speaking, it's the same. We're all progressively sanctified. God knows where you're at this morning. God knows where you're going this morning. God doesn't want us to compare ourselves among ourselves, but God wants us to look to Jesus. That's what he tells us to do when it comes to our comparison. He even calls us to a consideration. In verse number three, he says, for consider him that endured. And so we see that consideration offered. But these saints offer us endurance and they offer us encouragement. The second motivation that we see is not just a motivation from others, uh, which if we're going to lose weight, we understand we need some outside motivation. Are you with me? And uh, we also need something else, and it's what we put down as uh, self-examination. So we're motivated by the saints, and number two, we're motivated, motivated by self-examination. You know, if you never look at yourself, if you never examine yourself, you'll never desire to be more than what you are. Uh, I uh, roomed in college with, with a, uh, a few guys, and uh, I was the very 
small guy in comparison to these. They were all uh, well over uh, 300 pounds, and uh, we had uh, at least three of those guys. I never wanted to be underneath in the bunk with one of those guys. Uh, They all quickly assigned themselves to the bottom bunk, and I was happy to let them uh, have those. But uh, I remember uh, we had one guy that would come in, and he worked at McDonald's, and and he was very thin. Uh, We were the two. I was, at the time, very thin, and uh, I like to think I am today, but I'm working on it, all right? But, uh, you know, know, we... we, uh, we would uh, be there, and, and uh, he, was, he was there. Uh, he would come in the room. He worked at McDonald's the night shift, and what he would do as the shift supervisors, uh, uh, he would take all the food that was left over at McDonald's. Now, leftover McDonald's is not appealing. Regular McDonald's is not appealing, but you think about leftover McDonald's. This is stuff that's been sitting for a little while, and uh, he would literally take all that stuff. He would throw it in a garbage bag, a garbage bag. He would like Santa Claus at like 12 o'clock midnight. These guys, it's dark in the dorms. You'd see this shadow with a, a pouch over his back come walking down uh, the hallway, and you thought it was Christmas in a guy's dormitory in Bible college where everybody's skinny because they're starving, and uh, you wouldn't want to eat the food there anyway in the cafeteria. And uh, he's coming down, and you literally see all these shadows coming out of the room, and, and they're sticking their hands in the bag, and, hey, did you get me this? And uh, do you have any nuggets? Do you have any... Some of you are like, stop, pastor, I'm getting hungry, all right? And, uh, you have that, and uh, I, would, I would be there, and I was more of a night owl. I'd study at night, and these guys, they'd be sawing logs, literally snoring and, uh, and rumbling the walls there, all three of them in my room. And uh, they were in there, and uh, they would be sitting there. And then I'd watch. His name was Mina. He'd come in the room, and uh, he'd have the bag. And those guys, without fail, all three of them, like bears coming out of hibernation, uh, would sit up with their eyes closed, and they would literally inhale two to three uh, Big Macs or whatever. And one of them, I literally watched him. I don't think he ever even woke up. Uh, He uh, just ate them. His eyes never opened. He was just just eating and just, and I was sitting there like, what in the world? Uh, and uh, watching these guys, and then just lay back down and go right back to sleep. And, and I was thinking, boy, you know, this is, uh, this is a little crazy, but now I understand, you know, what's going on in their lives. And uh, this is where they were at. And, and uh, you know, anyway, to make a long story short, one of those guys, uh, he uh, got the motivation later on just to decide that he was going to lose weight. And uh, what he did is he took a picture of himself and he put it on the treadmill. He taped it to the treadmill. And he said he would just run and run and run until he stopped wanting to look at that picture uh, of himself. And before long, I mean, he literally lost hundreds of pounds and uh, thin and good shape today. And, and uh, God's done some great things with him. Good friend, dear friend of mine. But I remember when I saw him, he was literally a third of the man that he was uh, before. And I could not even recognize uh, him when I saw him. And I thought, boy, what a great testimony. But you know what it took for him? It took seeing himself for what he was before he desired to lose the weight. You understand, sometimes we've got this thing in our mind that we look a certain way, even though we really don't look that way. And when we finally see ourselves for what we are, we desire change. Can I say this with you, spiritually speaking, that God wants to use the Word of God to help you to see yourself for who you are and for what you are. And sometimes we like to close the book. Sometimes we like to turn the preacher off. Sometimes we like to put our fingers in our ears and not hear another word of it. But when the Word of God is opened and the mirror is revealed to us. You know what's going to bring about spiritual change in your life is when you see yourself or what God says that you are and you say, I don't want to be that anymore. I want to be different than what I am. And by the way, uh, God can give you the power and the strength and the motivation to do that if you're willing to self-examine. 
And uh, God calls us to that in verse number one. He says, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. You can't lay aside a weight unless you know what it is. You can't lay aside sin unless you've examined yourself. The Bible tells us constantly, uh, even as the church of God, when we come together around the Lord's table, let a man examine himself. Uh, let a man uh, uh, say to the Lord, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And the Lord's table is supposed to bring purity to the church of God. Can I say as much as we're about love and as much as we're about grace and as much as we're about mercy, uh, we're about holiness because we have a holy God and God wants us to be holy as he's holy. God doesn't want us to ignore sin that's in our life. And God even tells us in his word to not let sin reign in our mortal body. And uh, as we look at this self-examination in verse number one, the first let us tells us to lay aside every weight. And he says we're to identify all the things in our life that are slowing us or hindering us from running the race. I love baseball. And uh, when I see these guys warming up in the batter's box, a lot of times what you'll see, a modern-day illustration of this, is you'll see on the bat some weight. They'll add some weight to the bat as they take some warm-up swings. And many of them, before they uh, begin their uh, routine of the game, they'll put some weight on their ankles or they'll put some weight on around themselves when they're running so that they'll have some, if you would, uh, uh, resistance and, and they'll learn to feel lighter, if you would. And, and those guys are able to uh, wield that bat. How many are always amazed that a guy can take a bat and, and swing and make that ball go that far? And, and I'm always amazed when I see one of those guys do that. But, you know, they had to work at that. They had to add some weights, if you would, or if you would, they had to lay aside some before they went to the batter's box to take the swing. If they were there and they were swinging with those weights on, they'd never be able to hit that 90-mile-an-hour fastball. They would never be able to do that. They have to drop the weight before they're able to swing the bat. And can I say to you this morning, God's saying, before you can run with patience, the race that's set before you, you've got to drop the weight. And what he's saying is, is we understand that the weight on that bat's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. They put it on willingly. They understand that it's there to help them to build resistance, to build the muscle that they need in order to do what they're doing. But they understand that if they're going to run the race, they've got to lay aside the weight. And what God's saying to us, Christians, is not necessarily the sins that are in your life, but whatever's hindering you from running the race that God wants you to run, uh, from being the church member at Open Door that God wants you to be, from being the Christian that God wants you to be, there's some weights that you have to lay aside. Every once in a while, we're going to have to look at our schedule. We're going to look at, have to look at our priorities. We're going to have to look at the time and all the things that we're doing. Say, is there weights that need to be laid aside so I can do what God wants me to do? And all of us have to evaluate and, and constantly be self-examining, if you would, and say, what needs to go in my life so that I can serve God? You can't find me one person in this Bible that served the Lord and walked by faith that didn't have weights that need to be laid aside. All of us this morning have some weight that needs to be laid aside. And God will show them to you, by the way. And uh, in the Christian life, isn't it true that often we're not choosing between what's good and what's bad, but what's better and what's best? And God wants us to choose what's best. Sometimes we can say, well, there's some other good things that I could do. And perhaps maybe even in your family, you're saying, well, I could do some other things. I could do this and I could do that. I could be involved in this and I can be involved in that. But God asks the question, what's best? You choose what's best. You lay aside the weight so that you can serve me. And by the way, that's a a challenge to every Christian that we need to do that. We've got to lay aside the weight because letter A, weight impedes. 
It impedes our ability to serve the Lord. It hinders our ability to run the race. It stops us, if you would, from performing the way that we should. And, and some of us have some weight that needs to be laid aside this morning. He doesn't just tell us to lay aside weight, but he also tells us to lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. I've heard this passage of Scripture preached many different ways. And I've, I've all, how many have heard of the term besetting sins before? You've heard that. Some people say you have besetting sins. That's these sins that constantly come up in your life and they beset you easily. And, and I, I think that's a great application. I, I really do. But I don't believe it's, it's what the Bible's saying here. Because in context of what the Bible's trying to talk to us about, it's talking about faith. It's talking about faith. It's talking about living the Christian life. And can I say this to you? The sin is singular, it's not plural. It's not talking about a singular sin that's in your life that is keeping you from serving God. It's talking about the sin that besets every Christian. As a matter of fact, the book of Hebrews is written to the Hebrews. And uh, as we consider this uh, illustration here in the context of the Scripture, he's talking about living by faith. What is the sin that hinders every Christian in this faith life? It's unbelief. It is literally unbelief. And I can tell you this, if you're struggling with something, it has to do with unbelief. It has to do with a lack of faith in all of our lives. What this uh, writer is saying to these Hebrews is that the sin that has easily beset Israel is the sin of unbelief. They would not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. They would not believe on Him, and it's that sin that keeps us, as remember Jesus going from place to place, the places that He did not many great miracles in were places where they had unbelief. And you know what happens in our lives when we don't see God moving and working? And again, I'm not against the application of the other kind of preaching. I just want to look at the context of what the Bible is saying here. It's saying to us, you need to have faith. But the sin that's going to beset the faith life is the sin of unbelief. You know, when's the last time you laid aside the sin of unbelief? I think sometimes it's an unconfessed sin in the lives of Christians. In other words, we'll confess when we said something we shouldn't say or did something we shouldn't have done. And a lot of our confessing has to do with external things and how people have seen us do this or people have, uh, if you would, observed this in our life. But you know what? True confession is us acknowledging that God sees our hearts. And God wants you to confess the sins of your hearts. And and can I say this to you this morning? The sin of unbelief is what keeps every Christian from living the life of faith. It keeps us all from living the life that we're supposed to live by faith. In my life, in your life, what sin easily besets us? What sin easily keeps us from the faith life? Well, it's not having faith. It's It's not believing in what God wants us to believe in. It's not having faith in God. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now we understand that without living this life of faith, we can't please God. We can't run this race. We're actually disqualified from the faith life. God says to us, if you're not going to live the Christian life by faith, you're not really living the Christian life. If you're not going to live, if you're not going to run with, uh, with patience this race, if you're going to be able to do that, you're going to have to have faith this morning. And I'm asking you this because I think that it's not very often that we confess the sin of unbelief, where we just don't believe that God is able to give us the victory over that sin we're struggling with. 
where we just don't believe that God's able to give us the victory over the circumstances that we're in, where we just don't believe that God is able to deliver us from whatever is hindering us in our lives, where we lack faith in the Christian life. Can I say this? Faithless Christians are powerless Christians. They're powerless to overcome sin. They're powerless to overcome Satan. They're powerless to overcome self. There's no way that we can have the power to overcome anything without faith. Can I say this to you, Ephesians 2, 8, 9? For by grace are you saved through faith. God delivers us salvation through faith, does he not? The Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. We understand that God wants to bring about faith in our lives and motivate us through the word of God and build our faith. You know, God doesn't want you to have little faith. He wants you to have great faith. How would you describe your faith this morning? Sometimes we excuse ourselves. We say, well, Jesus said if I just had the faith of a mustard seed. Some of us, we don't even have that. We think we have mustard seed faith, and God says you really don't have any faith. If your faith depends on your performance, then you don't have faith. Faith is in God. Faith is in what God can do and God's ability to do something. You know, when God asks us to do something little, you know, sometimes Christians don't give because they say, well, I only have a little bit to give, you see, and I don't have much to offer, and so I'll wait until I have a little more to give before I start faithfully giving. Well, that's a big mistake because then what you're saying is that your ability to give and obey God is based on your circumstances and ability to perform. It's not based on your circumstances or ability to perform. It's based on your obedience to what God tells you to do. And if God says you need to do this, then you just need to do it. And if God says you'll do it, you know what? He'll bless you. You know what would have been like that little boy that said, uh, when they said, we need someone to offer us some food so we can feed this crowd of 5,000 people. Well, you know what he should have said? He should have said, well, I don't have enough, so I might as well just eat it myself because I can't really share it with everybody, and so at least I could eat my own lunch, and fully on these people, they should have packed the lunch themselves, you see, and I came prepared, and they didn't, and so I'm going to have a full stomach while listening to Jesus' discourse here, while listening to the rest of the sermon. No, when they called on him to give the little that he had, he was willing to give it up, and when he gave it up, what did God do? He used the little that he gave to accomplish a great miracle to feed thousands of people. You say, you know, God can do that with a little I can give? Yes. You say, well, I only have a little bit of time. Then give your little bit of time. You say, I only have a little bit of money. Then give your little bit of money. You say, I only have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You see, usually people use that excuse for reasons not to be involved at all. Not for reasons uh, they're really ashamed. The widow, what did she do? She cast in the little she had, and God acknowledged it and blessed it, didn't he? That's not an excuse if God's given you more to not give more. What I'm saying to you this morning is that you give according to how God has given unto you. You give what God has made available in your life. And don't hold back on God. You give it. And by the way, I'm not saying be proud about what you give. But what I'm saying is this morning, whatever it is, God will take the little that you have and he'll use it to accomplish a miracle. It's amazing what, uh, what we sing that song, but I think sometimes we don't believe it. Little is much when God is in it. That God can use a little group of people to accomplish a great thing. That God can use, you know, some people say, well, I don't have a lot of time to pray. Well, then pray with the time you have. I don't have a lot of time to study the Word of God. Well, then study the Word of God with the time you have. Well, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of this. I don't have a lot of that. Stop making excuses. Lay aside the sin of unbelief and believe God and do what He's called on us to do. 
Hey, God will bless that if we do that together as a church. It's not a competition in this room for who can give more or who can do more or who can accomplish more or who can perform more. If that's where you're looking, get your eyes off men and look at Jesus. And that brings us, uh, if you would, to our third motivation. I said, number one, motivated by the saints. They give us endurance and encouragement. Number two, we're motivated by self-examination. Weight impedes and sin impairs. Uh, Number three, uh, we're motivated by the Savior. We're motivated by the Savior. Look at verse number 2. Looking unto who? Come on, you with me this morning? Looking unto who? If you don't know his name, you you ought to get acquainted with it. Uh, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our what? There it is. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. How could Jesus have joy set before him when it came to the cross because Jesus was faithful because he was faithful someone who's faithful can see the reward after the sacrifice someone who's faithful can see the reward after uh, uh, we give what we're called on to give but when we're faithless we are blind to see the reward at the end and so we don't give at all We don't do it all. We don't accomplish it all. Can I say this? If you don't believe in the power of the gospel, you'll never offer it to anybody. That's some of our our, our problem this morning. And why we're not seeing perhaps the people that we should see as a church saved. And maybe you're saying, well, you know, if the staff would go soulling more and if so-and-so would do that, we'd just pass out more traction if people would just do this and do that. And we never look to ourselves and say, am I? Am I uh, being a part of sharing the gospel in this area? Am I being a light? Am I letting my light so shine before men? And, and am I doing my part as a Christian? Am I, am I doing what the Savior wants me to do when it comes to my witness? And, uh, you know, we ought to look at the Savior and say, Jesus, what do you want us to do? Looking unto Jesus. The illustration in the Old Testament is that serpent that's in the wilderness. The Bible says as Jesus would be lifted up just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. You know why Moses had to lift up the serpent in the wilderness? Because people were dying. Because people were perishing. Because people, because of sin, were being punished by God. They were under the wrath of God. They were, uh, uh, if you would, reaping the wages of their sin. And they were there and they were dying. They were literally going to die. There were serpents that God sent into the camp and they were biting these people and the vipers would bite them and people would die. But God told Moses, he says, you take a serpent and you put a brazen serpent, you put that up on a pole and you go to the middle of the camp and you raise that up. You raise it up high so people can see. And if anybody will look, they will live. If anybody will look on that, they will live. You know what that took? It took faith. You know what some people said? Well, that's stupid. How is looking, how is looking at a serpent going to heal me? How is looking at a serpent going to save me? How is looking, how is is doing that? Because it took faith, you understand. 
It's what God said. It was believing, taking God at his word, regardless of what circumstances were dictating. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And what God was trying to tell them is you need to have a faith life to please me. Oh, you've been working, but your works haven't saved you. The law hasn't saved you. You haven't accomplished anything through the works of the law. You still need something lifted up by faith you can look to. And by the way, Jesus told us the purpose of all this. He said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God said to us, look and live. If you'll look at Jesus and keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll live. If you look at Jesus and keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll be victorious in the Christian life. Can I say this? And we're motivated by the Savior to have a faith that takes action. A faith that takes action. He says, look, look. You can't have a faith that doesn't look. You've got to look in the right place. But God says, looking unto Jesus. Because he is both the author and the finisher of what? Faith. Of our faith. See, without Jesus, we wouldn't have had faith. Without Jesus, faith could never have been delivered. We'd have nothing to believe in without Jesus. You see, this morning, come on, religion didn't save you. Some of you were religious before. Your race didn't save you. Uh, your, your background didn't save you. Uh, where you were born and your status in life didn't save you. Being a good person can't save you. So none of that works. So what's God saying? Hey, it's faith that saves, but you've got to look to Jesus. If you won't look at Jesus, you won't have life. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life, for the wrath of God abideth in him. You know what happened with those Israelites that wouldn't look at the serpent? They died. Because they wouldn't look where God told them to look. They wouldn't take God at his word. You know, sometimes as Christians, we get our eyes off Jesus, don't we? Come on, you with me this morning? Talk to me a little bit. You ever get your eyes off Jesus? You ever get your eyes in the wrong place? You ever have to be reminded to look at Jesus again? You know, sometimes uh, we get bitter because our eyes are not on Jesus. We get bent out of shape because our eyes are not on Jesus. We don't have the victory in our life because our eyes are not on Jesus. We got our eyes somewhere else instead of on Jesus. If you look at Jesus today, he'll give you a faith that takes action. He'll make you, if you would, what you're supposed to be. Uh, By the way, can I tell you, a faith that won't take action is not really faith. It's a fraud. If you won't take action, that's what James tells us in his word, isn't it? He says if you have real faith, it's going to produce works. It's going to take action, if you would. Not that your actions produce your faith, but that your faith produces your actions. That's what God's trying to tell us here in his word, that we're motivated by the Savior, that we're looking unto Jesus. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. You know what? You know what I'm confident about when it comes to the gospel? That Jesus was lifted up and he already drew all people to him. You know what? God did the work that produced the ability for all men to have faith. In other words, God's the one that does that. And what the Bible's talking about when it talks about drawing men to himself, when it talks about that work of the Holy Spirit, that work's already been done. It was done on the cross. He already drew all men to himself. You know what we have to do? Respond to his drawing. Respond to what he did on the cross. 
It's not that God only chose a select group of people to be drawn. It's that he did what he said he would do. He drew all men to himself, but some won't look. Some won't look, just like the Israelites. They could have looked. The opportunity was there for them to look. They had the ability to look. Hey, their necks worked. Hey, everything was functioning fine. They could have looked. They chose not to look. Some people won't look at Jesus, even though they can, even though the opportunity is there, even though God has made a way for them to look, even though God took great care in lifting up his son so that all people could see, but yet they won't look. It's a faith that takes action. Number two, and lastly this morning, it's a faith that changes attitude. Live. It's a faith that changes attitude. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know why we can be a living sacrifice? Because Jesus died so that we could live. Jesus became a sacrifice in death so we could become a sacrifice in life. You see, if you're trying to go into the Christian life and not sacrifice anything, then you don't really want the Christian life. The Christian life involves sacrifice. It involves you giving up. It involves you giving in. It involves you giving over. You can't enter into a relationship with Christ and not give anything. He gave everything. He wants everything in return from you. He wants to make you in his image. He wants to make you in his likeness. He wants to have you, uh, you to have his mind and the fullness of his spirit. He wants you to be full of grace and truth the way he was full of grace and truth. He calls us to that. He progressively sanctifies us. He wants us to be holy as he's holy. And God calls us to those positions in life. You know, I don't know about you this morning, but I want to have a faith that changes the way I live my life. I want to have a faith that changes what I do. I want a faith that changes the attitude for which I approach life. You know, some people are just existing in life. They're not really living. They're just existing. Maybe you feel like that a little bit this morning. You say, is this life? I mean, I feel like I'm just going day after day after day after day. I just have a routine, but I don't really feel like I'm living, you see. You know, in uh, your relationship, husbands and wives, you ought not to just live together, exist together, rather. You ought to live together. There ought to be life there. There ought to be connection there. And you know, in any relationship where there's not life, there's a problem. Because all relationships are dynamic. They're not static. None of them are sitting still. They're all moving one direction or the other. So what direction is your relationship with Christ in today? You know what some people want to do this morning? They don't want to consider that. They don't want to consider that at all. I'd rather not consider my relationship with Christ because I already know the answer. I already know that it's moving in the wrong direction. I already know that I'm giving more to my flesh than I am allowing the Holy Spirit to have control. I already know that I'm not dying to myself each day. I know all these things. I understand that I'm going to have to lay aside, but I don't want to do those things. I'd rather just have God do everything, and I have to do nothing. The sad part is, is that's not the Christian life, and you won't have victory in life if you desire to live life that way. You know, many people don't have the ability to live a faith life because they never came to Christ. If you've never truly accepted Christ by faith, you'll never live by faith. You can't live by faith if you don't have faith. You say, well, I have faith. Well, can I ask you this morning, what's your faith in? Because that's important. If you have faith in self or 
in church or you say, well, I'm a good person or I've done this or I've done that. If your faith is not on the object of Christ, if your faith is not all in Him, then your faith is on a sinking sand. Your faith is on a failing system. It's not on Jesus. If your faith is in Christ this morning, you know what will happen? Your life will change. Your life, I didn't say it might change. I said it will change. There's no doubt about that. It's not that some Christians get saved and some change. It's that all Christians who are truly living the Christian life do change. It's not, it's not possible to enter into a relationship with Jesus and stay the same. That'd be like saying to Maniac of Gadara, once Jesus entered into him, he went back to his old life of living in the graveyards and, and having chains and being naked and acting the fool. God said, you can't live your life that way. You know, when he met Jesus, he sat at Jesus' feet, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind, and he had a desire to serve Jesus. You know, anybody who's had a true experience with Christ will want to serve Jesus. They'll want to be in a right relationship with him. And if you're not in that desire this morning, if you'd rather, if you'd rather not hear about it, if you have no interest in it at all, you know what you need to ask yourself this, this morning? Am I truly in a relationship with Christ? Because a relationship changes us. And you know what? We want change because we know we're not enough. I want to look and live. How about you this morning? I'm thankful because of Jesus, I have salvation in him. I'm thankful that because of Jesus, I have eternal life. And if you want to go back and you want to live this life that the world's offered you and just keep living that life and keep living that life. Come on, can I, can I just say, can I just talk to you just plainly this morning? If you're in sin this morning... You're not happy anyway. That's why you keep going back to it. You're not satisfied by it. That's why you've got to keep doing it over and over again. You've got to live from party to party. You've got to live from high to high. You've got to live from sin to sin because it's not satisfying to you. As a matter of fact, you feel shame and guilt, and it just tears you apart. And you're not happy. You're conflicted. And then you come in, and you hear a message, and you hear it from the Bible, and you go, well, I know that I'm not living that way. Well, what do I do? Well, here's the thing. Look at Jesus Consider him and let him motivate you to the weight loss spiritually that you need. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.